kids behind the bots time. Connecticut. This is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Chris. And today on the podcast, we're previewing BattleBots Champions with BattleBots co-creator Greg Munson. And we'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. And follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots. And tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. And without further ado, we'll jump into our interview with Greg Munson and our preview of BattleBots Champions 2. This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, BattleBots co-creator Greg Munson. We have so much to catch up with uh, with Greg. BattleBots Champions 2 premieres on the Discovery Channel on Thursday, October 5th. BattleBots Destructathon has been fighting live every week in Las Vegas since early February, and they're now in the middle of Proving Ground, an incredibly popular series of exhibition fights with new robots hoping to secure their spot on the still unconfirmed season eight of the show. We're yeah. looking forward to getting into all things BattleBots in the hour ahead. So welcome back to the show, Greg. Hey, hi, hi. Great to be here. Thanks for having uh, me again. Greg, we were <laughs> we were trying to figure out before the show started. I think you're our most frequent guest. I think this is like maybe your fourth or fifth time on and maybe even more. Uh, I got to go back and like check. But um, the really exciting thing is every single time that you're on, uh, you break some kind of news, so no pressure. No you don't pressure. have to, of course. This this could be this could be the the, the non news, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Greg episode. That's fine too. Um, but there's just like so many great things happening right now with BattleBots and with champions coming back next month. We thought this is the perfect time to check in to see how BattleBots in 2023 is going. So um, have a have a lot of questions. Um, I do want to start off with the the big news of the month: BattleBots Champions Two premiering in early October. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, for people who caught, um, you know. Uh, Sin City Slugfest, aka Champions One. You know, can you give us a preview of what to expect from Champions Two? Are there format changes? Is there anything different this time around? Total number of episodes, etc. Yeah, for sure. Um, pretty much the same as Champions One, with the exception of um, we're not going to do the last fight where you have to beat the boss in order to then move on to the tournament of champions. So if you remember Mm -hmm. last season, there were certain boss bots and they waited for you at the end of the Sin City Slugfest mini tournament. And then that winner of that mini tournament would fight the boss. And if they beat the boss, they would then go on to the tournament of champions. If they lost, of course, the boss would then defend its, its, uh, its title and then it would move on to the tournament of champions. So that was just that that sort of polluted the storytelling, the narrative of it all, just added this other sort of unnecessary layer to the whole thing and um, and ate up a lot more time than we probably had when we shot the show in Las Vegas. Um, so we just decided not to do, to do away with that part. So now each Sin City Slugfest, there'll be five of them, five two hour episodes starting October 5th. 
And those are just mini tournaments, quarterfinal, semifinal, final, whoever wins goes on to the tournament champions, tournament of champions, which is episode six on November. I think it's whatever, whatever that second Thursday in November is. I think it's the ninth. Um, and then they will face giant nut winners of the past. Obviously the, the saw blaze is sitting there waiting. Uh, Tantrum is sitting there waiting. And so is Endgame, uh, who won, of course, the Golden Bolt last season. So those three, you know, super champions are waiting for whoever wins these first Sin City Slugfests. And that'll make up a bracket of eight. And off they go. And someone's going to take home the Golden Bolt. And we'll find out uh, after six episodes. Awesome. Have you had a chance to see episode one? Like, do you know what's uh, happening October 5th? Um, I've seen every single episode. And we've, had, we've actually had the episodes completed and done since, I don't know, uh, May. Yeah. Yeah. For months they've been done, you know, discovery merged with, um, time Warner. So there's been a big fog of war. Um, and so, but finally they're airing them and, um, but we, we, we've seen them all and we, they're super exciting. They're awesome episodes. There's some amazing moments, amazing fights. Yes. Um, and can't wait for everyone to check it out, but, um, Yeah. One thing people should know is that it was filmed. You know, it was filmed back in October during the World Championship 7. We always film World Championship 7 and Golden Bolt at the same time because we use Golden Bolt as a way to keep fights going during the championship, right? So the championship is a number of rounds. And during any given day when you need to shoot for eight hours, you might be in the quarterfinals. It's four fights. You're done with that in an hour. But you got to do more. So we then film a bunch of Sin City Slugfests and we can fill out the whole day of filming, keep the crew happy, keep the audience happy, uh, keep the, uh, the robots raring and revving. And then we finish basically those two um, tournaments almost simultaneously. Of course, they're a little bit skewed because someone might win in both um, or not. And um, and off it goes. Um, so don't when you see tickets online for BattleBots Destructathon, in October. Don't think that is BattleBots champions. Don't come to Vegas <laughs> and you're going to see the taping of it because that was already done. There's been some confusion out there that had has made some people going like, I thought this was the TV taping. No, we've, yeah. we've, we've done that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like two, two seasons now of Champions in, like I just have to say, I love the format of Champions because you know, for a new robot, um, I like, so I, I was, I was on team shred it, uh, this year with shred it bro mm-hmm. and we were a new robot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, no spoilers. If we get into champions, you know, like, um, it took us three or four fights to really dial in the robot. So like, you know, if, if we enter champions, we are at the peak of our game, you know, like if you, if you saw shred it at the end of the season, the regular season, I mean, like we are now, entering fight four, fight five, fight six, fight seven, you know? And like, that is so cool because, you know, like- You're hitting your stride. Like a, yeah. Yeah, a second look at a lot of robots and a lot of the storylines that we kind of ended last season on are going to be different for champions. Um, 100%. So that's one of the exciting things is, is champions, the Sin City Slugfest, the five Sin City Slugfests that make up the first five episodes are a mixture of top bots who nearly went all the way in World Championship Seven, right? Um, and bots who were all, all, all the alts, right? All the alts from WC Seven 
are in a Sin City Slugfest. So people like Teratops, Double Tap, um, Shred It Bro, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right. So those guys get a chance now to actually be in a tournament and actually maybe even go all the way. Who yeah. knows? Um, yeah. And like you said, I, you know, you've now got a ton of fights under your belt. Things, these little glitchy things like speed controllers and brushless motors and things that are causing you problems have probably by now been solved. Yeah. Um, so you're hitting your stride and you're able now to really deliver the maximum potential of your bot that you may or may not have been able to do that in uh, World Championship 7. So again, a lot of fun, uh, great fights coming because of that. Yeah. Um, I, I know that builders really like it too. I mean, I think the first time that I came to BattleBots, uh, this was pre-Sin Slug Slugfest, and the builders who didn't make the round of 32 were just sitting around so sad because they were like, my, my robot's finally awesome. My last match was awesome. And now I got to ship it home to, you know, wherever. And um, now they get a chance to fight the whole two weeks, which is what they want to do. Like they're here to fight with their friends. They're here to run their robots. And like, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to do that. So I would say like throw out all of your preconceived notions about good robots and bad robots from the regular season. Like they are entering champions really looking great. Um, yeah. And I can say also anecdotally, it's, it's, they are some of the most incredible fights I've ever seen. Um, 100%. So I, I cannot wait to see the season premiere. So that's yeah. very cool. Yep. The slate is clean, starting anew. The robots have got uh, their stuff together and it's going to be awesome. Uh, I want to ask uh, also about Destructathon. Um, mm. So I got to see Destructathon fairly early. I bought my tickets mm. mm -hmm. uh, and, and saw them, saw it back in March. Okay. And it was a great show. Um, like, I, I know that it's a joke fight, but my favorite fight was against the slot machine. Wow. It was just, <laughs> it was, it was incredible to see a object that is so solid and that you kind of have a frame of reference for just explode into 5 million pieces. Like it really, it, it was the coolest display of the power of a heavyweight robot. Um, and I, I know that, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that, that was the goal to make it the most exciting fight, but I was just enthralled. I thought it was great. The goal there um, obviously was, you know, we uh, it's called Destructathon, right? Yeah, you have to have at least one fight guaranteed that's going to bring home the bacon in terms yeah. of just one of those jaw dropping moments of like, oh, my God, it just, just spark everything parts everywhere. And what who better to do it than Nightmare? Bring back old school Nightmare. Let it take on a slot machine and just see what happens. And it's quite spectacular how a slot machine um, can be destroyed night after night after night. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a definite uh, guaranteed awesome point in the show um but that back, said okay. the uh the show bots so you saw it back in march the show bots yeah. now um so if just so people know you know we went out to a bunch of builders uh i think 12 or 13 of them and said build us show bot show ready versions of your famous robot hypershock witch doctor malice etc etc mammoth um, you go to battlebots.com slash tickets. You can see all the bots that are in the show. And um, but purpose build them to fight night after night after night after night. They don't have to be 250 pounds. If you need to go to 300 for some material thing or to make it last and last and last, that's totally fine. Because um, what we're really here, this is not the sport. What we're really here 
looking to do is put on a super awesome entertaining show where these robots can fight night after night and make audiences in Vegas just super happy and kids go crazy and inspire people and get people psyched up about robot fighting. Um, so that's what they did. Um, and it took a while to dial them in, but now they are super dialed in. So pretty much all the fights that you would see night after night after night have a super high entertainment value. Um, we've gotten Bronco now. So Bronco, I don't know if you saw, um, Luke, when you came, uh, if Bronco was there yet, but Bronco is now part of the Destructathon uh, pantheon of showbots. And cool. so Bronco goes out there every night and fights, uh, usually fights Chopper, which is a bot we had purpose built by Zach Goff from uh, Copperhead, uh, a hammer bot. And uh, that's quite spectacular. That fight is amazing. Uh, Hypershock and Witch Doctor usually fight in the main event um, nightly. Sometimes we tweak it, but uh, we found a good pacing now of the fights that really work well. And, um, and you just go and you see this amazing spectacle of, of smashing and crashing. Yeah, I <clears throat> I really love Chopper's fight uh, that I saw as well. I, I I saw it when like you know all of the uh, the sparks are coming out of the back, mm -hmm. and it it was just a very zippy, like really well well driven bot, um, and its fight was really exciting. Um, and so yeah, I mean if you if you're like what's Chopper, I've never heard of that. Like go to Vegas, you gotta go see Chopper. You gotta see yeah. like uh, all these all these really really cool robots. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, I like one of like, there's so many interesting things that are happening at Destructathon. Like, so when I was there, one of the coolest things was just walking through the shop. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, regular people, I don't know, uh, can't see the shop, but uh, I got to get do the, the behind the scenes. And um, like, I met all these people who are, you know, local Vegas engineers and kind of tinker types uh, mechanics and like i met a helicopter mechanic right who <laughs> got hired by battlebots to rebuild the the showbots every single night and there's like there's something very cool that's happening there because now you have a team of people who know how to take apart a heavyweight robot and you've got trey and brad and they're driving every night and they're becoming amazing drivers mm -hmm. um yep. and Jeff like, and dave are now driving as well yeah, you've got Jackpot now kind of able to drive and test whenever they want to because they have access to the box. And like there is something very cool that like I, I think that if and when the next televised season of BattleBots happens, like there's going to be like echoes oh, yeah. of oh, Destructathon. Yeah. And like that's going to show in the caliber of like the Las Vegas area bots. Brad Hanstead might <laughs> might win a, a just a, a giant nut just because he's driven now exponentially more hours than anyone else you know yeah, yeah. between david like, and bradley yeah. and um jeff waters i mean they've gotten a ton and ton of stick time that's for sure um and i can only imagine that once we make the announcement for the official dates for world championship eight teams are just gonna be coming out of the woodwork to try to um, come down to vegas because the doors are open if you have a bot and you want to practice and you want to come um just arrange it with me arrange it with uh rob arrange it with trey and um, come on down and we'll open the doors for you. you can, you can practice whether you're in the show or not. We'd like to have you be part of the show. So Gigabyte, for instance, has come down, right? Gigabyte right. was trying out some new stuff and um, Derek brought it down and actually fought a fight. And then, but another weekend he brought it down just to, no one even knew it was there, just wanted to try it out. No problem. Um, same thing with Aaron Hill and the twins. 
Um, you know, so now we have an open area where people can do their testing. And I think, I think you're right. I think once um, we make that announcement, people are going to be banging down the door to get some pre-stick time before World Championship 8 happens. And that will just make the quality of World Championship 8 that much better. I, I'm curious, you know, now eight months in, uh, if we could rewind nine months or so, I guess the, the, the month before it was supposed to open, were there things that you were worried about, you know, before you saw the show launch, you know, um, yes. and have those things happened or have they not happened? I, I'm, I'm well, curious, kind of like lo- looking back. Yes and no. I mean, the worry obviously is if you're, if you're doing a live show is, is anyone going to come and see it? Yeah. Um, the good thing there is lots of people have come and seen it. Um, we definitely want to get more people to come and see it. Um, everyone who's in Vegas, who's been doing shows, you know, we're, we're friends now with a lot of these shows that have been there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Angel, for example, loves BattleBots Destructathon and has cool. almost become Trey's buddy and um, is saying, you guys, you guys are doing great. You don't realize how long it takes to get some traction going on. Because some, yeah. some nights they're, you know, the audience isn't full. Other nights it's really great. Other nights it's eh. Um, and we'd like to have it, you know, full every night. Um, but that reality, you know, Vegas goes in waves right now in September, it's a very bad time because of people are back to school. People have done, done with their summer vacations. They're in a, they're in a back to work mode. So a lot of shows even just shut down in September, but we're still going strong, but mm-hmm. we're learning the ropes. Um, so the audience thing is just, you know, it's all about marketing and advertising and we're slowly, but surely getting our stuff. To, I'm not going to use the four letter word. our stuff together in terms of uh, that. Um, One thing I was really worried about was, you know, the teams, they built, you know, Hypershock built our Hypershock show bot. Will built that, right? But Will can't come to Vegas night after night. He can't be there four nights a week, five nights a week, talking to the crowd, shaking hands. He's got a job. He's got a wife. He's going to, you know, he's got a whole thing. He's got a whole life um, going. He can't be in Vegas. Um, Same with all the show bot teams, right? Um, so what do you do? And we debated this left and right. You know, I was thinking, well, we'll just have the robots drive out by themselves. Kind of like the master might've done way back in the day. And, you know, Tom Gutteridge poo pooed that idea. He says, no, no, no. Yeah. You, you have to have a touch point for the audience to root for a human touch point. Right. And he mm-hmm. was right. Um, so we hired Vegas locals to be the representatives of the teams. All the teams came out during that first month of Destructathon and met with their, their uh, Vegas representatives, um, showed them how the robot works, talked to them about how, you know, what their sort of brand and persona is. And now they go out there and they represent the teams. I always thought it was a little bit Disney love boat, you know, to, if yeah. I'm being honest. Um, but at the end of the day, Tom is right. It totally works. And the audiences do relate to these people. And you do need these people out there to wave and someone to root for and to high five as you're going down, you know, right before the fight. Um, So that part I was worried about, but that part has worked out and it's been fine. Um, Some fans do show up and they're mad that, you know, Andrea is not there, but Andrea can't be there. Right. And there will be times when maybe Andrea and Mike can come out but not every single night, right? Um, anyway, so that part I was worried about, but I think we're, we're good there. Um, you mentioned the backstage tour. That is now open to anybody. It's, a, it's, a, it's an add-on fee. You get it automatically at certain ticket levels, um, but anybody even at the lowest tickle, ticket levels can go just to the store and buy it. I think it's like 20 bucks, 25 bucks or something like that. Cool. And so after the show, 
you can get a backstage tour and you can see the shop, you can meet the teams, you can meet all, all, all of our um, engineering staff who fixes the robots night after night, people like Bradley, Jeff Waters, uh, David from Team Malice, you know, Rob, who's our head of safety, who every robot builder knows because that's the person who inspects your bots during the TV show. Uh, Trey's back there. Um, you really get a great taste of what it's really like to be part of the robot combat uh, ex whole experience. And of course, you get to see the battle box up close and personal as well. Um, so I I can highly recommend it. I, I stuck around for the VIP meet and greet after my event. And like, that was so cool. People taking selfies with the robots, talking to to Brad and Trey and, you know, Jeff and, you know, taking photos of the builders. Um, it's, it, it was a very, it's, it's absolutely an add on that's worth it. Um, I, I am curious, you know, um, for someone for like a super fan who came to see it in February or March, what's the pitch to get them to come back? Like, has the show changed enough is proving grounds, like a compelling enough, uh, pitch, you know, like for, for people to come back a second time, a third time, a fourth time, like what, what, what is, what is the pitch for them? The pitch is proving ground, um, yeah. beyond the show, just getting better and the tights getting, the fights getting better. And if you didn't see Bronco, when you first came out, Bronco's there now, which is amazing. Um, so that would be for sort of pitch number one, but pitch number two, I think, and the strong, it's the stronger pitch is we have proving grounds. So usually yeah. nearly every weekend, um, we have two teams that come out that either want to try to get on to world championship eight, or it's a tried and true veteran team who's tweaking some new technology and wants to test it. And they, to test it, they're doing a fight. So, you know, when you hear about this bot called Manta, and you've maybe seen a clip from RoboGames, or you went to RoboGames and you saw Manta and you thought how amazing it was. Well, you come out on a weekend and Manta is going to fight Triton in the battle box. And I tell you, it was probably one of the best fights I've ever seen, even in the, t in the context of the TV show. Um, it's jaw-dropping, oh my God, moment between Bradley's bot Triton and then this new bot Manta. And you, instantly you're like, Manta, you're in the show, buddy. That thing is awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you can see some of these old school bots, right? Like from the old Comedy Central days. Um, guys bringing back old favorites that, um, you know, like Conquering Clown is going to be coming out soon, which was in Robot Wars back in the day. Nice. Um, and then you, this new robot called Warthog, which is a full body flipper, right? We've seen full body spinners, but this is a full body flipper. That's coming out pretty soon. Aaron Hill, you know, uh, Blip. Tantrum, now the twins. Can Aaron Hill crack the multibot code and actually effectively you know, win a fight with multibots? He's, he's brought the twins out. Um, Fireball, who's come up through the NHRL and now has, has scaled up, right, uh, is coming out. How's that bot going to do? So there's so many of these great um, underdog stories and newbie stories and teams that have started out maybe in the lighter weight classes like in, at the NHRL and teams coming back from the olden days. Um, and our, our favorite vets trying out new technology or even new bots, they're coming to Proving Ground. These are happening on the weekends. Um, get out to Vegas and see them because it's amazing. It really is incredible, the magnitude of bots that are going to Proving <laughs> Grounds. Would you agree yeah. that the magnitude of bots going to Proving Grounds is incredible? Yeah, I mean, I mean we've definitely seen a handful that are like, that is not only TV show worthy, that bot has a chance to win the giant nut. Um, 
And this is the first time you're seeing them live in the battle box, right? So imagine if you were there the moment, you know, when a bot like Manta was debuted or a bot like the Twins was debuted or Disarray or any of these bots that are coming. Um, you know, you really might be seeing the next giant nut winner before they even know it or anyone even knows it. Um, yeah. Greg, uh, Chris is is um, is very eager to see magnitude, which will be coming to proving ground. Uh, yes, in a couple of weeks, fighting and, uh, uh, a secret bot by. Um, see, here we go again. Right? Is going to bring out a new, or is he going to bring out something entirely different? We don't know, but imagine what could come up with. Wow. I'm very intrigued. Okay. Me too. Me too. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch you an idea uh, mm-hmm. while I've got your, 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 your captive ear. And, um, and then I'm going to ask you one difficult question about Proven Grounds. So my idea is, uh, okay, new supporter tier. <clears throat> it's $150 a month and you can go to Proven Grounds as many times as you want. It's for people who live near Las Vegas and they want to go every single weekend and they want to see every single new robot. And uh, you can get some, Pretty nice, like uh, like premium subscription revenue out of them. What, what do you think? Tickets. I love it. Um, it. There's always this challenge with, because we are leasing the building from Caesars and they have a, a, a deal with Ticketmaster. So if there's a way, if there's a way to do that, I do. I definitely like, I think that is a great idea. The challenge uh, yeah. is figuring out a way to not have that be part of the whole Caesars uh, Ticketmaster thing. They they can they can slip you the money like in an <laughs> unmarked envelope. That's perfect. I think um, that you, you could maybe do a, a guest pass or something. I don't know, but that's something to. I'll definitely. I think I like that idea a lot. I think that's cool. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then my 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 difficult question about proven grounds is uh, around <laughs> uh, build stipends, hotels, travel, like kind of the pay part of it. Like we have seen some fairly sophisticated new heavyweights that have shown mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. and their very first fight, and perhaps their only fight in mm-hmm. the world, will be at proving ground. Uh, but there's still not pay. Like when, when is that happening? And uh, like what has to happen to, to give, uh, give builders a cut of the door revenue or a special coupon code so that they can promote, you know, their weekend out to their fans or, or stuff like that. Like I, I know that it adds to the show's cost, but uh, I don't know. It, it also helps make Proving Grounds a, a more palatable and uh, long running kind of feature, you know? Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's, it's very simple. The show just has to make more, have more ticket revenue. Right now, um, where our audiences are below the 50%, maybe it creeps up into the 60% mark. And like like I said, people are telling us, don't worry, it'll catch on. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Um, but once we start put, getting the show at capacity and revenue really starting to come in, that doesn't mean that it's just enough to keep the, the show bots working and paying the crew to build, keep building the show bots and buying all the stuff from Send, Cut, Send and all this stuff, all the motors, all the speed controllers that break day after day after day after day. Then things like uh, covering some expenses for Proving Ground bots can start to happen. As, it's, as it stands right now, it's just economically not feasible. Um, so teams who do want to come out have to cover their own expenses. Um, but certainly we hope that the show can make enough revenue to start helping with in that regard. The great news is the TV show has come leaps and bounds in that in that um, in that regard. Whereas people coming to the TV show uh, are getting very healthy build stipends. Uh, transportation costs are being uh, the stipend for that has gone way up. Um, of course, hotels are covered, shipping's covered, 
per diems um, and expenses have a stipend as well. So that I think is in a good, very good spot and builders I hope are happy with that because that has evolved um, much more on a positive level for the builders on the TV show side. We just got to get um, Destructathon to catch up and it's all about revenue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think one of the worries is when uh, you go like, oh wow, there's a lot of new proving ground robots, and there's only fifty spots on the show, and we need to have Sawblaze, and we need to have Witch Doctor, we need to, you know, like uh, we got to have Endgame. Like, um, <clears throat> it's not even fifty slots for new bots; it's more like ten or fifteen. And, yeah, that's and right. And there's probably mm-hmm. going to be thirty show like uh, proving ground bots that might show up before. Um, the application period ends and it's like, we're going to have a lot of heavyweights that are going to be sitting around that uh, really can only fight at proving ground. So like, you know, kind of making that proposition better for them, you know, really gets, gets the maximum amount of life out of, out of these, these many robots that are, <clears throat> you know, now sitting across America. No, it's true. And, and it is the struggle because we are still kind of at the mercy of, TV broadcasts in terms of how many episodes we get, what the budget's going to be. And that determines how many participants can actually be in it. And then, of course, how many of those participants can be new. And you're, you're right. I mean, traditionally, it's been maybe 10 or 12 newbies get in. And then you, you, you can't overly bias those towards Proving Ground bots because there's still bots from the East Coast and from the UK and from Europe and even, even farther overseas that just don't have the wherewithal to get to Vegas, whether we paid right. it or not. Right. It's a really challenging to get over from New Zealand. Think if there's a bot from New Zealand who wants to get over, right? Yeah. Um, so you have to give those guys, a, a neat, I'll put them on equal footing as proving ground bots. Um, again, this is all the reason why we got the permanent facility in Vegas, leasing it from Caesars, um, because there'll be a way to figure that out uh, as we continue with this building um, and figure out a way to, to make a, a system where there's more opportunities for these heavyweights that are quote unquote sitting around to come and do something. And then, I mean, maybe now there's a prelim, right? Maybe there's a qualifier mm-hmm. for the movies and then the best of those get into um, the TV show. You know, we're not there yet. And there's a lot of ideas and ways that it can be fixed, could be fixed, but having the facility there and the facility is not at the mercy of any sort of broadcaster, it's just there. As long as people can keep buying tickets and Destructathon can pay the rent uh, and keep the crew there, um, the box will be there. And you know, maybe in a year's time, we will have a way to have qualifying type tournaments for heavyweights, so that it you know it's not just this one-off proving ground thing. Okay, I did it, and I didn't get in. You know, I spent all this money. Um, yeah, something like that needs to happen, but it's it's just part of the future plan, and we've got the we've got the permanent facility to do it now. So that is the good news. I I could see a qualifier tournament like a special like not even like a televised. I don't know, maybe maybe just kind of take the highlights of it, but like do a week long qualifier, and I I think the super fans would pay hundreds of dollars to sit and watch that live. Well, we've got um, this Twitch channel, you know, we've got a Twitch channel. We've never used it. Um, we have a full, you know, we took a page from the NHRL and then created a whole broadcast studio, much like the NHRL has. And uh, we haven't used it yet, but definitely when we built that part of the, the thought process was, is to stream out of Vegas and do some stuff with that. And that is on the roadmap for the future. 
Um, how it all goes down, I, it's way too premature for me to say anything about it. But we know you've expressed the problem that we've known for a long time. And yeah. um, we're, we've got infrastructure and a footprint to deal with it. We just need the proper amount of revenue, uh, audience, uh, an opportunity to make it happen. Um, my final question before I turn it over, um, and like like the future of Destructathon, it's been running for eight months. Hundreds of people, thousands of people have now gone to see it. Like um, people love these proving ground fights that are being shown to Facebook supporters. Um, the the format just is really working, at least for the fans. Like the fans love it. Um, how long can Destructathon run? How long do you want to run it for? Like, is this how does, you know, like, how does having a live show kind of, you know, affect the future of BattleBots, um, you know, with like the writer's strike and uncertainty about whether, you know, like that's going to end anytime soon or something's going to get greenlit? Like, um, how, how does the live show fit into those future plans? Yeah, no, we want to keep the Destructathon going forever. I mean, if, cool. as long as it can make money um, and pay the bills, um, we want to keep it going forever. So anytime... You know, Vegas is the sports capital of the world, and it's not just for boxing anymore. I mean, the Stanley Cup was won by the Vegas Knights. The NFL football teams out there—they're gonna—they're talking about a baseball team now, basketball team. The F1 is our neighbor across the street, destroying our parking lot. Uh, and um, um, why not robot fighting, right? Yeah. So when you come to Vegas, you could go see heavyweight robot fighting at its finest. Um, so we want it to be there forever and use that permanent facility as an entertainment vehicle night after night after night. But then also, and maybe even more importantly, using it as uh, ground zero for um, the sport, for the heavyweight side of the sport. So people can have a roadmap to get on what should be the BattleBots TV show world championship, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, forever and not for the foreseeable future. Very cool. I, I, I love that. That that's that's amazing. All right, I'm gonna turn it over. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Hey, Greg, you're on with Chris. Hi, Chris. And uh, I'll just start by saying, you know, we uh, Lindsay and I uh, we went out on behalf of NHRL and came out to Open Sauce in San Francisco earlier this year, where you shared the stage with our. NHRL CEO, Kelly Biderman. Right. And that uh, that panel, I would suggest to anyone out there who has not seen it, uh, check it out on YouTube. It is an incredible panel. You have a lot of great builders, both from the NHRL kind of ecosystem, the BattleBots ecosystem. Uh, it was um, it was hosted by the man, the myth, the legend himself, the Whisperer. Uh, and I think the panel was incredible at really kind of capturing the the zeitgeist of the entire community across all the different, uh, you know, um, uh, organizations. But my question for you is, mm -hmm. so we have NHRL, we have BattleBots. How do you see the relationship between BattleBots and NHRL? And what's your ideal relationship between the two? Um, I think it's been a great relationship so far. I mean, NHRL is filling the need, the huge need for a entry level um, system whereby people, not just newbies, but pros as well, can really start developing new ideas and new technologies at the lower weight classes where it's not as expensive. Um, NHRL has a ton of um, events. They have a whole system of events happening. 
Um, so there's a, ample opportunity to get out to an NHRL event and fight, 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 fight. And that builds practice, that builds quality builders, that builds um, teams that know what they're doing. It builds the responsibility of a team to know that this is a sport and you got to take it seriously, but also have a, a lot of fun. Um, and you can try out new weird technologies. And then when they get that itch to go up to 250 pounds, they've had so much great experience at a place like NHRL that it's just all about the scale up and um, and then maybe doing a proving ground and then coming on and hopefully getting a spot on the TV show as that infrastructure starts to grow. Um, so that relationship, that sort of symbiotic relationship, um, I'm quite fond of. And hopefully I, see, I foresee it just maximizing uh, both you know, the all, all tides rides for both NHRL and BattleBots. Cause also our, our competitors, you know, when they're building these heavyweights, which are a pain in the butt all, oftentimes and quite expensive, just want to have some damn fun and they can go build a lighter robot and bring it to NHRL and have a, have a good old time. And the, but then a light bulb goes off. If I scale this up, I can bring that back to BattleBots next year and I can improve, you know, this bot. So I think of Aaron Hill and the twins, right? That started out, I think on the NHRL side. NHRL side, and then uh, he scales it up and brings it to the BattleBot side. So I think it is a win-win for both organizations and the symbiotic relationship that we've got going now is awesome. Awesome. I'm going to jump into some of our fan questions from Discord. Uh, the first one that I have comes from Brendan Steele, who runs Ramplan at NHRL, and he was also on the pit crew for Huge this past season. Uh, is there still time to remove the shelf? <laughs> <laughs> That, again, that is up to Trey. Uh, and so people, if they want to lobby to get rid of the shelf, they need to talk to Mr. Roski and uh, see what he decides. Because the re the arena is really Trey's domain. Um, if, if that's his robot, he loves to say. And, you know, my domain is more uh, the, the bot builders. Um, Proving Ground is my domain. Um, and a lot of the promotion, social media stuff on the show and whatnot, um, amongst other things. Uh, Trey's domain is really, at the end of the day, is the arena. And so if people want that shelf gone, they've got to find a way to get in contact with him and have a, have a reasonable chat about <laughs> why they don't like it. I actually, you know, it's kind of grown on me. I know a lot of people hate it. Um, and I, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't kill me if it went away either. Um, but it has grown on me to... In, in, as you look at the action level of the, of the fights, it has made more more engagement. The engagement has the engagement frequency has definitely increased. Given the shelf, I know there's some fairness issues where people get in, caught in the short corners, and certain robots have advantages in the short corners, and other robots do not. And that might change. That might encourage certain metas that we don't want to encourage. I get that. Um, you know, it's just going to be what we decide to do. And mostly when I say we, I mean Trey. So the 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 arena itself is Trey's bot, which it's a good segue into Matt Lantry's question, who runs Fallout and Half-Life at NHRL. And Matt's first question is, are there any other uh, outside the shelf plans to change the arena for season eight? Uh, I know Trey has got some just general safety stuff about, you know, it, you know what people do not see is that some of these big hits nick the Lexand. And the Lexand is super strong, uh, you know, has been breached. Um, and, and when it gets nicked, um, Trey and his crew are so safety conscious that, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, they'll replace the piece and get put a fresh new piece in there. 
Um, you know, I've had plenty of giant, you know, pieces of tombstones, blade, 40 pound things, poof, smack me right where I was, you know, if the Lexan wasn't there, I wouldn't have a head anymore. Right. Um, that's happened to me multiple times. Um, and those pit police pieces get replaced, even though they don't even need to be, but Trey is just super, um, safety conscious. And what he wants to do is, I think, find a way to replace a less expensive piece, more like a hockey dasher, um, than the big, super crazy thick stuff. So that might be an upgrade that happens, but it wouldn't affect the um, the, the gameplay. But nothing that would be, there's no plans that I know of that would affect um, gameplay, you know, the sport itself, stuff on the floor, new obstacles. No, it's more just safety, safety upgrades. Matt's uh, next question kind of ties into that uh, great idea that kind of Luke floated earlier in this interview. But Matt asks, are there any plans for Proving Grounds fights to be bundled into a special or is the plan for them to always be like a Facebook supporters perk? Don't know yet. You know, so um, we're, we're kind of keeping the lid on them a bit. I have released them to Facebook supporters. But, you know, there's this, there's some of them are amazing and they would make great uh, B-roll, for lack of a better word, for World Championship 8 as we tell the story of, let's say, Manta and the road Manta has taken through RoboGames, through Proving Ground to get into World Championship 8. And so you want that footage to have a certain amount of exclusivity when people see it. So they go like, oh my God, wow, look at that. Whereas if the whole internet has already seen it, the wow factor's kind of gone away. Now there's some arguments against that, of course. So it's just a decision-making process we have to make. Right now it's a, it's a Facebook only supporters thing. For a while I, I put them up on Twitch, but that was super unpopular. I'm not Twitch, but Patreon. And that was an unpopular decision. So I took that down almost immediately. Um, so the answer is, uh, I don't know. Um, but there's definitely been thoughts of maybe bundling them, putting them on the YouTube channel. Um, yeah, stuff like that. And I will say, I know this question's coming, so I'll just answer it now. Is yes, Amazon Remars 2 will be coming to... Here, this is your exclusive, right? This is... <laughs> it will be coming to the YouTube channel. We're just waiting for the team who's been um, just pummeled by certain you know, business realities to finish editing it. And it'll get up there hopefully by the end of the year. But wow, this year. Yeah, hope Yay, so. Greg. Hope so. There we oh, go. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah, so people get to see it. There, there's actually clips from it in BattleBots Champions. So there will be one episode. I think episode five has some clips from it. So you'll see that. And then I'm hoping that it gets up before the end of the year because they're super close. You know, we our YouTube channel is run by NBC Universal. And it's mostly uh, to put the international distribution of the show on a better footing. And so those we let those guys run it. And they've been working their butts off to do a whole bunch of stuff, one of which is Amazon. And that's why it's been delayed, 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 delayed. But just had an email with them the other day saying they're close. And, um, and not only that, but they're also close with Vengeance in Vegas 2, which are all the unaired fights. Uh, from World Championship 7, which supporters on Facebook have already seen. But if you've seen those fights, there's some doozies in there as well. So two fun things coming to YouTube, hopefully before the end of the year. Vengeance in Vegas 2 and the Amazon Remars stuff, finally. 
And then who knows, maybe in the future, proving ground fights, best of the best of proving ground that could totally happen. Is there any, um, changes to the formula that we should expect? Is it going to be like, can you tell us about the format for, for the, for the, the YouTube premiere of it? For Vengeance in Vegas 2, it'll probably roll out just like Vengeance in Vegas 1. It'll be um, a premiere. It'll probably be all of them smooshed together into an episode. You watch it, and then they're cut up into individuals, so you can watch them individually, and then they're cut up into shorts. Um, and that's the the way NBC Universal has thought of the rollout. We like that idea, so why not do it exactly the same way as we did it last time? Um, and then probably the same for Amazon. It'll probably be one long premiere, like an hour long thing. And then a couple months, a couple weeks, a couple months later, uh, it's chopped into individual fights and YouTube shorts. That's, that's really cool. I'm looking forward to it. All right. I got a couple of questions here from Ryder Liangle. Uh, the first question, speaking of proving grounds, I want to know what is the criteria for uh, main show consideration? Is it the fight performance, pit preparedness, or some combination of the two? And which is a higher priority to you? Uh, it's definitely a combination of the two. It's all of the above. Obviously, the most important thing is putting on an amazing fight. But if we see that you have potential and you just had a bogey um, in the fight, um, but you you on Saturday you ra you got broken, and but you rallied, and Sunday you had that bot ready to go, no problem at all, and it was up back up to 100%, and you fought even better on on Sunday. That shows us that the team is is well on their way to dealing with the crazy amount of attrition and marathon preparation that is the two week TV shoot. And so, as we all know, that's insane. And so, a team that comes on and kind of is half ready on a Saturday and gets destroyed and doesn't even get ready for Sunday, they're probably not getting on the TV show, right? Um, so, pit. Prepared, pit, pit preparedness is definitely a plus. But at, look, at the end of the day, if it's an amazing fight, jaw-dropping fight, that is like a huge checkbox. Yeah. So, well, the next question, uh, and both uh, Ryder and Matt Lantry both had same questions in this kind of vein. And it is, it's a really big and tough question because, again, we, we discussed there's 50 bots that make the show. There's a, a big field that's making their way to proving grounds. Do you see any issues that some teams might feel that they must go to proving grounds if they're if they're unproven, you know, so that they spend that twenty to forty thousand dollars just to get a chance to make it on the show, which is not a guarantee. Yeah, I mean, I um, I don't know how much teams are spending, but I don't think they're spending. Um, some teams might be spending that much of a five figure price tag, but I don't think some of the teams we've seen are not spending that much. But that said. No, like I said before, is you, if you don't have the wherewithal to get out to Vegas, but you have an amazing idea for a robot, it's just, it's just on you to prove it via the application system. So, you know, we revamped the application system from registration at battlebots.com to uh, book.battlebots.com. So we have a new system. It's the battle book. Um, everyone should, who wants to get involved with this should register there. Um, but if you, if you don't feel like you have the wherewithal to get to Proving Ground, it's just in that application, you really have to make that robot shine. So you've got to really show amazing renderings of what it's going to look like, um, make a really compelling video of why you should be on the show, why the robot's going to be kick-ass, why it's going to be um, an amazing fighter, and how prepared you're going to be to fight, fight after fight after fight. And we understand. We know some teams are on the East Coast. We know some teams 
uh, are overseas and getting out to Vegas is a nightmare. And so we have to put those teams on equal footing, like I said, uh, to the teams that have come out to Proving Ground. So um, we're not going to overly bias Proving Ground teams um, at the expense of an amazing team that put together an amazing application on the Battle Book who just happens to be from, you know, uh, Brazil. Right. You, should, you guys should open up like the... Uh... And Kyle, you might know this more than me. There was a Jets player in like the 70s. He was like just an average Joe that they let on the team. Vince, Vince something. Anyway, we probably have one football team out there. You should just have that one spot of the 50 where you can just let someone with a completely redonkulous idea just show up with a, a pile well, of garbage that, that, that may not work. That's, I mean, almost like, like think of Travis T, right? I mean, Travis T was such a crowd pleaser that maybe that happens for someone like a Travis T. Um, but no, no, there's all, people need to remember too that there is always the alternates, right? Every TV season we've had right, alternates, right. usually about six of them. Um, so, you know, there's probably 10 or 12, maybe 15 new bots that get in, but there's always like six extra alts that if someone pulls out and doesn't can't make their fight, an alt can be slided in. And World Championship 7, I, I hope I get this right because it was a while back and my brain is foggy. Um, Big Dill was slid in and was Doom slid in? I forget. But anyway, two alts got in, right? And um, and the rest made it to Golden Bolt with the exception of one bot who just didn't make it because the bot was never ready. And we know who that bot is. But God bless that bot. That bot has one of the funner fights on Vengeance in Vegas too. <laughs> So, uh, Ryder's last question. Um, now, this is probably more f so for the for the teams that are kind of on the cusp. Maybe they've been here, uh, you know, once or or two seasons. Uh, is there any potential that a team that's kind of really on that razor's edge to get penalized for not going to proving grounds? Like, could they essentially get knocked down a rung or two and be no. replaced by somebody? Okay. No. I mean, again, if you're amazing on paper. You're amazing on paper. Um, and we understand that it's tough to get out to Vegas. Um, so, no, we're not going to overly bias the Proving Ground bots. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Manta was amazing. Uh, I can tell everyone right now, Manta will make the cut for World Championship 8. There's some other ones, too, that were also amazing. But there's going to be um, a debate between all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of my favorite builders uh, who would probably make something equivalent to a Travis T, he's uh, Kakota Mane from NHRL. He's one of the most imaginative builders that we have. He's, he made uh, literally a, a fighting cereal box. Um, so he wants to know, and I think that we also kind of talked about an idea like this before, but like a straight up proving grounds, like death match, AKA like you take all the ones that don't necessarily make the cut and you have a free-for-all, and the winner, you're in. Why not? I mean, those are the kind of things that are, those are the kind of fun ideas that solve some problems, and we're open to all those ideas. So anyone who thinks of those things should just email me or call me, because um, I love that. Of course, it's, 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 there's always this TV budget issue, right? That we have to get the builders who are going to fight these fight after fight after fight, a healthy build stipend. And that budget we get from the network only goes so far. So the alts of the world, let's say, um, or the people trying to get up might have to put some skin in the game to get their butts out there. 
Um, but then if they are the one that makes it, then they get the same stipend, build stipend, et cetera, et cetera, as all the other teams that actually made the cut from day one. Awesome. Uh, but I love that idea. That's a cool idea. And that's the exactly why we have the permanent facility, right? So yeah. before the, you know, the, the arena is up. We don't have to ever set it up again. The lights are up. The cameras are there. We just have to um, amplify it for TV. Um, so why not two days before, you know, the TV crews roll in um, and we start the big, big, big show, we just have a mini tournament of all the, of all of the uh, people who want to come out proving ground bots or not and just see what happens. And we turn that into half an hour of episode one um, for the new World Championship 8. Is the first half hour is the is is called BattleBots Proving Ground, right? Oh my goodness! And it's 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 highlights from the actual Proving Ground fights, but it's also this insane mega quickie tournament of people just I want to get in, I want to get in, ah, smash, 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 and a couple make it, right? The that, idea something like, that, something yeah, like that could totally happen. That's that's a fun idea. Aaron Catling has of course already kicked that one around. I remember him coming up with that one. Um, but so the answer is. We are open to those creative solutions, and um, yes, that would be awesome to do. Awesome. I so I only have a few questions left. My next two are uh, from F, uh, SFC Jack, uh, whose first question are is uh, Are there plans for a second wave of showbots, and if so, could there be more based on classic era competitors? Uh, the pl concrete plans at the moment. It's all depending on revenue. Right, the show's got to get into a spot where it can afford new show bots. Um, mentally, absolutely, right? We we would love to get a biohazard of Lad the Impaler back mm. in there. Um, you know, Overkill's in there, right? Tazbot's in there, Bronco's in there. So we do end Nightmare. We have some old school Comedy Central bots in there. Um, getting a few more that really, you know, not only fight well, but pull the nostalgia strings would be a lot of fun. And it would be great to get, um, you know, some uh, of the of the kick-ass bots from um, from the modern era as well. Keep 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 improving the uh, the stable of show bots. But it's, it's going to be it's going to make that the show's got to be healthy, selling tickets, selling tickets, selling tickets, so that revenue can be reinvested into uh, fixing, building new stuff, and then of course supporting people who want to come out. Right on. Uh, Jack goes in on to ask any chance that we might be able to see Bill Dwyer in front of the camera next season in any particular Ooh, role. I, I don't know. That might be, you know, you never know. Who knows? I mean, as pe people may not know this, Bill Dwyer from Comedy Central is the host of BattleBots Destructathon. So Bill has moved out to Vegas. He hosts the show along with his co-host, Steve, uh, night after night after night after night. Bill is fantastic. We love Bill. He's having a great time. And he is also the warm-up person uh, for the TV show. So when you come to any TV show, there's always a person who warms the audience up, gets them yep. psyched, plays some music, tells some jokes. Um, so Chris and Kenny can be in the background getting ready, getting prepped, hair and makeup, reading um, you know their intros that they're going to do as they walk through the tunnel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to BattleBots, that kind of stuff. Um, Bill Dwyer was that guy. I'm sure he'll be that guy for the next season as well. Um, and whether he's on the camera, I don't know. We'll have to see. Very cool. Aiden, who runs Eclipse at NHRL, wants to know one of one's one of Aiden's favorite things was to come out to Proving Grounds and see all those robots that reminded him of the Comedy Central era. Is there any chance 
that these bots could get a mini bracket for the show or otherwise. Yeah, well, that was kind of what we were just talking about, right? Is, um, you know, maybe we we have some sort of pre-tournament before the big tournament. I like that idea. And like I said, I think Aaron, that was an idea Aaron kicked around as well. It's just, it's just time, budget, affordability, availability. But mm-hmm. that idea is awesome. It, it makes a lot of sense. It's, um, it's somewhat obvious in terms of a way to solve that problem. Um, so if we can do it, if we, ha- if we can muster the resources to do it, I think we should do it. It's just figuring out a way to muster the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you, Greg. I'm going to pass you over to Kyle. Kyle, you're supposed to come out to Proving Ground. That is true. That is true. Absolutely true. All right. So here's what I want to do in this. I have a few questions from the fans, but before I do that, I have a personal mission that I want to attempt to accomplish first. So Greg, we are now going to try to uh, peer pressure you slash bully you into coming out to NHRL and competing sometime next year. Um, What would it take to get you there? What kind of a bot would you want to fight with? And you know, you can build the bot on your own, but what if, you know, hypothetically, we were able to get one of the top-notch builders in the nation to build you a bot? I think if we do that, Trey and I should come out. We should do it together. We should get our old Team Llama Motors back together, and we should, we should, uh, re, we should retool Mini Ginsu because we I... did build a little baby version of Ginsu. And I think the only person that fought was a little baby version of something that Jim Spintowski built way back in the day. I think we did it at Steel Conflict. Um, and so we should find that bot, retool it, and, and yeah, why not try to get out to, you know, we're, we're busy. And then when the business stops, it's sort of like, okay, I just want to play some guitar and not <laughs> think about robot fighting. So, you know, I, I I don't know. I, the real the reality of it happening might be, you know, it's it's going to waver, right? But sure. um, but there is opportunity that of getting mini mini Ginsu and Trey and Greg out to NHRL. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It would be fun, and you wouldn't have to run the event. You could just no, come, exactly. get a pit table, hang out. And we should get Pete. You know, Pete should be part of the team, and the three of us should just come out there and feel the vibe. I like it. I like it. It might take a while, but I like it. I would absolutely love it, and it would be so much fun to call fights uh, with you guys on a team. That would be hilarious. I would be so into that. Um, All right, so let's go ahead and get to some of our fan questions. Now, uh, we've already talked about him a few times on this podcast, but let's talk about Brian Boxel, um, Mm -hmm. Golden Dumpster winner at NHRL. He also Mm -hmm. built Fireball and ran it at Proving Grounds earlier this month. He wants to know, hi, Greg, is Fireball accepted and then he does the little the emojis with the two fingers kind of pointing at each other with a thumbs uh-huh. up like please fireball did really well uh you know people probably know at this point beat the twins didn't yeah. beat witch doctor but that was an unfair fight because that's showbot witch doctor it's overweight it's made out of materials that uh the normal witch doctor would not be made out of and still put up a pretty good fight against showbot witch doctor um no brian is definitely on the short list um because he did fantastic there's a few other proving ground bots that are on the short list. Again, we have to look at the entirety of the field that wants to get in. So the people who may, who came out to proving ground and the people who couldn't come out to proving ground and then weigh all of the factors in terms of, you know, awesome bot, great team, reliability, blah, 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 something different, not just the same, you know, thing over and over again. You know, Fireball is a, is a four wheel vert. 
It does have the uh, flywheel to counteract the geo. geo uh, I can't sp- speak. Gyroscopic right procession. Thank you. Gyroscopic procession. Um, and uh, the flamethrower almost worked at Proving Ground. Oh, cool. He needed to dial that in, though, but that'll work next time. So, you know, it, it is a meta that we've seen maybe too much of, but he has evolved it enough to maybe make it kick over into that category of, okay, let's let another vert in because he's done something really new with it. Yeah. Um, that's that's something that's important for people to understand is, yes, BattleBots is a sport. Yes, the whole sport of robot combat is, you know, all of us, BattleBots, NHRL, all the other, all the other leagues out there are trying to make this into a bona fide sport. Um, the thing about BattleBots is, is we're also a TV show, so we have to consider the entertainment value so yep. that's why we have a, this sort of this sort of um, selection committee gatekeeping going on, because if we have too much of one type of robot, it's going to get homogenized and boring. We saw that on the Comedy Central era. So yep. we do want to let in a variety of bots. Um, and so but Fireball is ticking enough um, unique boxes with some of the upgrades he's done that he's certainly on the short list. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because, um, you know, NHRL has kind of more of an open sauce like, um, you know, these are the rules. You have to have these types of weapons. We're going through these weird phases like we just had a cam lifter style win a competition in the three pounds recently. Uh, horizontals have been just absolutely destroying at these competitions lately. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where'd that come from? You know what I mean? You really expect yeah. that that four wheel drive vert meta to dominate. That hasn't been the case all season for us. It's so okay. weird. It's cool though because because as technology increases and drivability and just little little tweaks, right? Suddenly change the meta from one thing dominating to a new thing dominating. And I think that's always going to happen in the sport, which is exciting to see. But I think the onus is on from BattleBots from a TV standpoint, the onus is on us to lit in the occasional really 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 weird bot. Yeah. Just to even even though we all know it's never going to win just to get people excited about what could happen, right? Yep. Um, I mean, I mean, not that Huge is a really, really weird bot, but think about a robot like Huge, right? Um, kind of like Head Scratcher when you first think about it. And now, a couple of years later, he's nearly won the giant nut, you know, second place, right? Yep. Um, so an amazing story and a meta-breaking story. It's still a spinner, but it's so different and weird that you have to let these weird bots in there, like Mammoth, right? Mammoth, super weird, like a jungle gym that just kicks you in the butt and lifts you up. You've got to let those bots in, but think how Mammoth has evolved, right? Yep. Um, and now it's actually a, a, a show bot. So we will, BattleBots will always be doing that to keep things interesting. While at the same time, letting in the most competitive four-wheel verts and horizontals and launchers and lifters, just to, you know, because it, at the end of the day, it's a sport and the best of the best has to win the giant nut. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, so um, we got some questions about smaller weight classes. So uh, Dan Deschino, who runs Woodpecker at NHRL, and Mitch Sullivan, who runs Flying Purple People Eater at NHRL, uh, has some kind of related questions. Have you thought about expanding BattleBots down into the smaller weight classes? And also, have you thought about having a featherweight competition in the existing BattleBots uh, today? I mean, now it's there. It's up. Um, could be cool to have like a special one-off tournament for that. We, I mean, again, we've got the permanent facility, so we can do whatever we want with it. And so, if the if the um, 
if there's enough people there who want to do something and come out to Be and come out to Vegas to do a smaller weight class event, we could certainly put it off. As it stands now, in terms of full-on expansion, what we're more fo focused on is the walking, where yeah. we will want to expand. It's not, and we're by the way, we're we're killing this idea of 500-pound walkers. We'll still let you do that. We'll still have the walking bonus, but I see that sort of slowly but surely getting phased out in a favor of a 250-pound walking division Class. all to itself. Right. So Mark's a Trackian stalker. Uh, Arachnophobia is going to come out to Proving Ground to do a demo um, towards the end of this month. Um, you know, Donald has always thought about a cool walking bot, but make it 250 pounds because a 500 pound chomp, you know, you couldn't, you had Zoe and team had to put, had, you know, 12, not 12, I'm exaggerating, but a lot of people to even pick the thing up. Right. And then when it broke, you barely could fix it on set. So half the time you have to take it off set put it in the truck. It's a pain in the you know, pain in the butt to put it in the truck, drive it off set, work on it all night, drive it back, pain in the butt to get it off the truck, get it back to the pit table. It's just too much weight to, um, to field in a quick and nimble competition like BattleBots. So we think the 250 pound is a better way to go. So we definitely have plans to expand into that realm, yep. going down into smallers, um, probably not as much unless there's some sort of, you know, fun educational BattleBots IQ thing, uh, you know, rekindling of that. Yep. Um, other question from Mitch, who runs Flying Purple People Eater. Um, from what you've seen of the NHRL scene, what's your favorite robot from there, from the NHRL leaks? Oh, uh, what's that one called? D D Doopy or the Droopy? What's Droopy. That? Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm a Droopy. I'm a fan of the funny ones up from the yeah. NHRL, right? Right. So I'm, I've, there's a lot of amazing uh, bots that just like, and they, when they smash into each other, the impacts are so quick. It's almost yeah. like, you just don't even see it. It's just like, they're so powerful, right? Drew's amazing because he's hilarious and wins golden dumpsters. <laughs> yeah. So, so competitive, amazing. I, I was all, you know, even back in the Robot Wars days, I was a fan of maybe not necessarily has to be super competitive, but just super fun and artistic and creative. Yeah. So I like the Spiny Normans. I like the Andy Roids. Uh, I like the Testoster ones from our era. Um, just the silly, funny ones. It's almost like, you know, the guys from Letter Kenny built a bot and brought it up to <laughs> that, right. that describes Spiny Norman to like a T, actually. Yeah, exactly. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, one more NHRL question. This is from Matthew Urocco run spare parts at NHRL. Great bot, by the way, if you ever get to see any of that. Um, if you were to bring your mini Ginsu, what weight class would you want it to compete in? Is it a 30 pound bot or what are you, are you going for a weight I, bonus? I think it would be 30. Um, yep. cause we want it to do, you know, you got to get it up there in the weight to have those saw blades really do some fun damage as opposed yep. to just sort of scrapey scrapey. Um, so I think 30 is the way to go cause there's enough weight behind it where you could knock some parts off another bot um, or at least just climb on top of somebody and, and go full throttle and just kind of dig into them, hopefully. Yep. Excited to see how those saw blades you have the do. Wheels, you have the wheels go in opposite directions when you claw on top of them and you have a, you have a, switch, a modal switch that changes the direction, right? And so you would eat down. I don't know. It's just something to figure out. Um, I'm really excited to see how those saw blade wheels do on a plywood floor as well. That would be <laughs> pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sorry, um, all right. we'll be the new Ray Billings. I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, all right. So Alex Pick, who runs Zane at NHRL, asks, hi, Greg, why are BattleBots not allowed to use their weapon to move? 
What would it take to accept a heavyweight like Droopy or Project Liftoff or have something like Rex again? I think you have considered this in the past. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So the new, you know, we we have the new rule set out um, um, internally, and part of it has um, a new chapter for Melty Brain uh, Thwackbots. So, and we've been working with the, uh, you know, the the, the team. Um, they're actually we're going to come to to Proving Ground um, with a bots called Red and Blue. Um, you know the guys. Well, I forget. The, I'm blanking on their names right now. But the the pre the premier the Casmers team. is that where you're talking about the Casmers? Yeah, the, the premier team that is just building these things. And, yep. and So we've been working with them on perfecting what the rules would actually say. And so yeah, I think that day is coming in World Championship Eight. And again, I... again, when I'm talking about doing something different and keeping the sport interesting, that is the kind of evolution that uh, we should be seeing. Yep. You know, we did we did the no no weapon can't be your your locomotion thing for some reasons because we thought it might be too boring, right? Right. Or too random or just whatever. But the uh, technology like the Melty Brains has come a long way and has evolved enough where it's not that. It's not random. It's not boring. It's actually quite compelling. So hell yeah, let's put it into the rules and get some thwackbots into the next season. I would love to see that. I mean, hey, just FYI, Project Liftoff and the Casmers have, uh, let's see, they've breached the arena at NHRL and won Golden Dumpsters. So it's obviously a pretty powerful and viable design. Uh, would love to see it at the heavyweight class. Absolutely. Yeah, they've been teasing to come out to Proving Ground. Uh, they just want to perfect it, right? And, and Of course. Yeah, they want, when they come out to BattleBots, they want it to be perfect. So yep. they put their best foot forward. So totally agree with them on that front. And um Hopefully get to see them in 2024 at Proving Ground. Absolutely. And man, if heavyweight droopy could ever happen, I mean, that would be absolutely amazing. I know Tommy has some doubts on the physics of that, but whew, I would love to see it. That'd be cool. All right. So Tom Farkas, who is uh rookie of the year last year at an HRL, runs Positively Hysterical. He says uh, he has two questions. The first one's a bit controversial. The second one is uh, a little bit more lighthearted and fun. I'll ask the second one first, and then we'll get into the controversial one. Uh, could we get a more of the struggle of pit repairs and showing off all the work the builders do to prepare for each fight? I think the amount of work they do after a brutal fight gets lost sometimes. I think he's right about that. Yeah, no, and we have that argument every single year. We absolutely want that in the show. Um, the majority reason why you don't see it is because the show budget is such that when you get into post, it has to become almost template, rinse and repeat driven. So yep. the shows can be done in time enough to make air and uh, with the crew that the budget is allowing. And so going off that sort of template script where you're adding in more elements of ER, like, oh shit, it's broken. There's a ticking time bomb. We have to get it fixed um, and get it back in the arena. Um, yep. Those those are actually quite hard to produce because you need um, ENG crews running around the pit like crazy, m way more than we have now. Yeah, um, and they need to be so on top of it um, to capture the, the spur of the moment things that happen. So it just needs a a magnitude of increase not only from the production side but also the post production side. Um, you know, so again, I, we all want to do it. It's just getting the support to do it. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, we even capturing it at NHRL is uh, we definitely have learned it's a really challenging right. thing. To it's do. not it's not there because we think it's lame. It's not there because um, we don't have the resources to do it. Yeah, we think sense. it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. yeah, when you're able to get it in, it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we yeah. those are some and of the best seen, segments we, of the show. We get it in there once in a while, and when you do, people are like, "Oh, wow, cool." Yeah. Um, but it, to me, entire episodes should be based around it. Yeah, um, for sure. In a very clever, in a very clever non-reality show kind of way, yeah. right? Um, but to do it, it, like I said, it's just it's a magnitude of resources that we just don't have at the moment. Magnitude indeed. All right. So then that actually leads perfectly, uh, you know, speaking of reality TV show into our second one, uh, there was a lot of controversial actions by unnamed teams slash or team slash teams last season. Mm -hmm. Are there any plans or rule changes uh, in the works to address them? Yeah. So again, we have that uh, internal rule document that we've been kicking around. Uh, Michael Jeffrey's been um, invaluable in uh, his role as the match steward. Uh, he's also sort of taken the reins of helping us update the rules. Um, I'm hoping he's here year by year by year to help me uh, update the rules. Um, and he was there watching every single moment as the match steward in World Championship 7 and noticing all the little things that happened behind the scenes, some of which you did see on the show, some of a lot you did not see. Um, that will absolutely 100% be addressed in the new rule set, including a code of conduct that will be kind of a preamble to the rules. So if you want to get on BattleBots, you have to, uh, you know, pledge that you will adhere to the code of conduct. And, you know, basically like Craig Gibson says, don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> and that'll be part of part of what you have to do going forward. You know, one thing I have to say about that is yeah, we, we are working on that. We want to make that better. Um, but we all have to realize that as the sport grows, it's, you know, this is really kind of still a club, yeah. you know, even like I've been at it since 1990, well, I don't even know, 1994, right? I don't know. That's a lot, long time, 30 years or something. Is yep. that 30 years? Um, and even now, 30 years later, it's still very much a club, but with BattleBots being on TV and it growing and NHRL growing and things like Robot Branch Page overseas, just all the whole sport has taken off worldwide. It's going to become a sport. It is becoming a sport. And, you know, for better or for worse, we are going to see things happen that happen in all of sports yep. where some teams we don't like and some teams we love and some teams we don't like. And there's stuff happens and certain teams don't get along. And, you know, and it's going to cause controversy online. And there's people, people are going to be passionate fans on forums that say this team was right and I hate that team. And there's going to be vice versa and there's going to be flame wars and all kinds of nasty stuff. Yeah. And it's just, it's un for better, for worse. It's the evolution of any sport as you bring on people who are super passionate about it, which is ultimately a good thing. Um, yep. So we all just have to sort of realize that's happening. Yeah. I mean, we're all looking uh, forward to the age of uh, performance enhancing speed controllers. I know it's coming. So <laughs> yes. We'll have to have um, a whole, whole new subset of rules for that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, all right. So Reagan Bachelor has a really interesting question, and uh, I'm curious about this as well. Um, what was your favorite fight from last season? What makes a great fight in your personal opinion? And do you think that your opinion differs from most of the audience just because you're so in it? Um, so, like, kind of expand on that. I know some of the best fights from last season we can't really talk about yet. Um, but what was your favorite one that has aired and what was the reason that was the best? Do you think that the rest of the really, audience I don't agree with you? I, I can't remember offhand what my favorite was, but my type of fight that is my favorite is one 
where it goes back and forth and back and forth and back yeah. and forth. And you, I mean, yes, there's ones where one robot dominates and a like Riptide Hypershock, Riptide blows Hypershock up to the top of the arena, right? Uh, hits him again, or get our Hypershock blows Gigabyte all the way across the arena from last year. Those are mage amazing moments, and they're good fights without a doubt. But I think I prefer like from a long time ago, uh, Valkyrie and Rotator where they just went at it and at it and at yeah. it and back and forth. And who the hell is going to win? And the judges are like, oh, my God, I can't throwing up their pay. I can't judge this. And it's a split decision. And then because it was so damn close and it went the full three minutes and you're just, oh, my God, they just the weapons kept working the whole time. That's what I like. Weapons yep. keep working. Hits keep happening. It's, you know, one half dominated by that pot and half dominated by that pot. And in the end, you don't know who won, and it, and the audience is split and angry. Those are the those are the magic fights for me. I, there and there's quite a few of them last season. There's honestly a few coming up in Golden Bolt like that, um, and those are my favorites. To pick a particular one, I just don't have it at the tip of my my brain at the moment. But um, those are the fights I dig. Yeah, I uh, I think that's one of the things that I like the best about like you and Trey as far as like sport runners or, you know, you look at like Dana White and he just wants knockout machines. He hates it when the belt gets put on somebody who does a lot of volume fighting or a very technical fighter. He wants people that just like give big moments and big knockouts all the time. Um, you guys really do seem to enjoy the technical fights. You guys really seem to enjoy the ones that are like so complex and such good driving and really thoughtful as far as like how well that machine was put together and how resilient it is and is able to take those just multitude of hits. Um, and I do appreciate that about you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that. You appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, and, and, and I also enjoy the ones, and this is actually controversial and it blows me away. The amount of emails that came in about JMO um, adding the attachment for huge in last season's finale. You can't do that. That is sacrilege. They're just flipping out. And to me, that's those are some of my famous fights is where someone in the pit goes total, um, has a massive moment of resourcefulness to come up with a tweak that yep. is going to help them win the fight. And, you know, the other opponent has every opportunity to counter that. Yep. Um, and whether they do or don't, that's on them. Um, and I, and I don't, that's something I never want to get rid of in the sport. I don't want to have it so handcuffed that you can't tweak for a particular fight within reason, of course. Yep. So I think, I think seeing that tenacity and resourcefulness on the fly is also something I really enjoy. And I think those are a lot the of people, people complaining about, oh, sorry, go ahead. It, it made a lot of people mad. Some people just thought that it's was It's so interesting. I think that that has to be people that aren't kind of familiar with the rest of the sport, right? Jameson has been seeing huges compete at various weight classes for mm -hmm. years now and like he's seen what works <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean he, he yeah. knows how to do it no um, it's, it's definitely casual viewers who get emotionally invested into the um tv show they have no idea there's this entire um ecosystem of other leagues smaller weight class they have no idea this even exists yeah. so they see this one moment in time and are freaking out they don't know there's this vast history to support these kind of upgrades and how awesome it is. Yeah, and how and these two builders particularly really love and respect each other and yeah. we're so happy they got to be in that moment together. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, so final question. This is mm -hmm. from Gwen, the ref bot. Uh, Gwen's one of our refs at NHRL. Right. Yep. Um, 
How has the development of new technologies in electronics, manufacturing, and metal metallurgy motivated combat rule sets mm-hmm. and build guidelines over the show's lifetimes? Are there particular developments that stand out with the potential to shake up the landscape in the future from your point of view? Uh, that's a good question. And I, and I, I, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think obviously, you know, batteries were one of the big, huge um, game changers, but that's come and gone. We all know how, how that's happened. Sort of what's the new horizon game changer that's happening. I mean, brushless motors is a big thing. All the new speed controller technology that's coming down the pipe um, where you can modify it. For, you can literally modify it on a fight for fight basis. Um, that's interesting. That changes the game a little bit. I think I think what people like teams like um, what is it Bloodsport are doing, where they can monitor real time monitoring of their whole system live, is yeah. really interesting. And I think a lot of teams will start doing that. I mean, people casual fans will see weapons stop working in the middle of a fight and think the weapon's dead. And what's really going on is teams are just cooling it down and saving it. So they don't blow the motors because they're getting real-time data that suggests shut it down for five seconds, now spin it back up. Yep. Um, and I think that's super interesting. And I think that could help yield some more um, interesting fights, better fights perhaps. Um, but, you know, um, the bot that came out to Proving Ground, uh, I need my papers in front of me, the one that had AI built into it, which, what was that bot? Help me. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure which one um, Proving Grounds had AI. Yeah, I was yeah. about to ask about AI and LiDAR. That was like going to be my next question. The guys with Hacksmith, the Orbitron, that they put a camera up in the roof. They mapped the arena and they could, they knew where their robot was and they're mapping the arena like a Tesla maps the road. And then what they can do is when the robot enemy is in a certain area, they can just, the drive, the AI takes over and keeps them constantly pointing at the robot. So the stick control from the driver is such that they aren't as as squirrely, right? They can kind of just focus on the attack move, right? And I think those kinds of technologies is, um, is really amazing and super cool. And so things like that might start to change the game as well. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, speaking of like the the Casmers, that they've been practicing or trying out some AI technology and some automation technology in their melty brains, um, trying to get figure out how to make those things. And their their melty brains, even with like really rudimentary automated driving, have won some fights, some pretty big fights. <laughs> so it's a it's a interesting direction that people are going in. Yeah, so that's an interesting development that could start to prove interesting in the future. I mean, kind of started off with Zoe and Chomp and keeps evolving. So many things did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us, Greg. Everybody, please tune in to BattleBots Champion October 5th on the Discovery Channel and go out to Vegas, catch a live show. It's pretty amazing. Uh, there's incredible things happening all the time. Um, but thank you so much for joining us, Greg. We really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to seeing you in the Battle Box sometime soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure and appreciate uh, your support. Thanks. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. 
Earth's largest sphere, featuring giant LED screens both inside and out, the MSG Sphere just announced plans to take Las Vegas a bit deeper into the future. With robots? Sphere Entertainment recently gave robot birth to Aura, one of the world's most advanced humanoid robots. Aura was born specifically to greet guests as they enter the MSG Sphere, and Aura will be available to answer questions like, where is the bathroom? And, why is this Miller Lite $45? According to MSG Ventures CEO David Dibble, the Aura spokesbots will maintain lifelike facial expressions and mobility on full display, and each of them will be equipped with an ice-cold pina colada cannon to cool down sober tourists in the brutal Vegas heat. So what do you think about this, guys? I was originally worried uh, about the robots, but I guess the only thing we have to sphere is sphere itself. Sorry about that. My sphere joke was pointless. Well, I guess that rounds it out for us today. And we'll see you next week with our sneak peek into NHRL's September final bot down. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye!